Chapter Two, Section Ten of the Greek View of Life by Goldsworthy Lowes Dickinson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Geeson. Chapter Two, Section Ten, Athens. In the institutions of Sparta we see carried to its furthest point one side of the complex Greek nature, their capacity for discipline and law. Athens, the home of a different stock, gives us the other extreme, their capacity for rich and spontaneous individual development to pass from sparta to athens is to pass from a barracks to a playing-field all the beauty all the grace all the joy of greece all that chains the desire of mankind with a yearning that is never stilled to that one golden moment in the past whose fair and balanced interplay of perfect flesh and soul no later gains of thought can compensate centres about that bright and stately city of romance the home of pericles and all the arts whence from generation to generation has streamed upon ages less illustrious an influence at once the sanest and the most inspired of all that have shaped the secular history of the world girt by mountain and sea by haunted fountain and sacred grove shaped and adorned by the master hands of phidias and polygnotus and filled with the breath of passion and song by euripides and plato athens famed alike for the legended deeds of heroes and gods and for the feats of her human sons in council art and war is a name to those who have felt her spell more familiar and more dear than any of the few that mark with gold the sombre scroll of history and still across the years we feel the throb of the glorious verse that broke in praise of his native land from the lips of euripides happy of yore were the children of race divine happy the sons of old erechtheus line who in their holy state with hands inviolate gather the flower of wisdom far renowned lightly lifting their feet in the lucid air where the sacred nine the pierid muses bear harmonia golden crowned there in the wave from fair cephisus flowing cupris sweetens the winds and sets them blowing over the delicate land and ever with joyous hand 
braiding her fragrant hair with blossom of roses she sendeth the love that dwelleth in wisdom's place that every virtue may quicken and every grace in the hearts where she reposes and this the athens of poetry and art is but another aspect of the athens of political history the same individuality the same free and passionate energy that worked in the hearts of her sculptors and her poets moulded also and inspired her city life in contradistinction to the stern and rigid discipline of sparta the athenian citizen displayed the resource the versatility and the zeal that only freedom and self-reliance can teach the contrast is patent at every stage of the history of the two states and has been acutely set forth by thucydides in the speech which he puts into the mouths of the corinthian allies of sparta you have never considered they say to the lacedaemonians what manner of men are these athenians with whom you will have to fight and how utterly unlike yourselves they are revolutionary equally quick in the conception and in the execution of every new plan while you are conservative careful only to keep what you have originating nothing and not acting even when action is most necessary they are bold beyond their strength they run risks which prudence would condemn and in the midst of misfortunes they are full of hope whereas it is your nature though strong to act feebly when your plans are most prudent to distrust them and when calamities come upon you to think that you will never be delivered from them they are impetuous and you are dilatory they are always abroad and you are always at home for they hope to gain something by leaving their homes but you are afraid that any new enterprise may imperil what you have already when conquerors they pursue their victory to the utmost when defeated they fall back the least their bodies they devote to their country as though they belonged to other men their true self is their mind which is most truly their own when employed in her service when they do not carry out an intention which they have formed they seem to have sustained a personal bereavement when an enterprise succeeds they have gained a mere instalment of what is to come but if they fail they at once conceive new hopes and so fill up the void with them alone to hope is to have for they lose not a moment in the execution of an idea 
this is the lifelong task full of danger and toil which they are always imposing upon themselves none enjoy their good things less because they are always seeking for more to do their duty is their only holiday and they deem the quiet of inaction to be as disagreeable as the most tiresome business if a man should say of them in a word that they were born neither to have peace themselves nor to allow peace to other men he would simply speak the truth the qualities here set forth by thucydides as characteristic of the athenians were partly the cause and partly the effect of their political constitution the history of athens indeed is the very antithesis to that of sparta in place of a type fixed at a stroke and enduring for centuries she presents a series of transitions through the whole range of polities to end at last in a democracy so extreme that it refuses to be included within the limits of the general formula of the greek state seldom indeed has equality been pushed to so extreme a point as it was politically at least in ancient athens the class of slaves it is true existed there as in every other state but among the free citizens who included persons of every rank no political distinction at all was drawn all of them from the lowest to the highest had the right to speak and vote in the great assembly of the people which was the ultimate authority all were eligible to every administrative post all sat in turn as jurors in the law courts the disabilities of poverty were minimized by payment for attendance in the assembly and the courts and what is more extraordinary even distinctions of ability were levelled by the practice of filling all offices except the highest by lot had the citizens been a class apart as was the case in sparta had they been subjected from the cradle to a similar discipline and training forbidden to engage in any trade or business and consecrated to the service of the state there would have been nothing surprising in this uncompromising assertion of equality but in athens the citizenship was extended to every rank and calling the poor man jostled the rich the shopman the aristocrat in the assembly cobblers carpenters smiths farmers merchants and retail traders met together with the ancient landed gentry to debate and conclude on national affairs and it was from such varied elements as these that the lot impartially chose the officials of the law the revenue the police the highways 
the markets and the ports as well as the jurors at whose mercy stood reputation fortune and life the consequence was that in athens at least in the later period of her history the middle and lower classes tended to monopolize political power of the popular leaders cleon the most notorious was a tanner another was a baker another a cattle dealer influence belonged to those who had the gift of leading the mass and in that competition the man of tongue of energy and of resource was more than a match for the aristocrat of birth and intellect the constitution of athens then was one of political equality imposed upon social inequality to illustrate the point we may quote a passage from aristophanes which shows at once the influence exercised by the trading class and the disgust with which that influence was regarded by the aristocracy whom the poet represents the passage is taken from the knights a comedy written to discredit cleon and turning upon the expulsion of the notorious tanner from the good graces of demos by the superior impudence and address of a sausage-seller demosthenes a general of the aristocratic party is communicating to the latter the destiny that awaits him demosthenes to the sausage-seller gravely set these poor wares aside and now bow down to the ground and adore the powers of earth and heaven hey day why what do you mean o happy man unconscious of your glorious destiny now mean and unregarded but to-morrow the mightiest of the mighty lord of athens come master what's the use of making game why can't ye let me wash my guts and tripe and sell my sausages in peace and quiet o simple mortal cast those thoughts aside bid guts and tripe farewell look here behold pointing to the audience the mighty assembled multitude before ye sausage-seller with a grumble of indifference <laughs> i see em you shall be their lord and master the sovereign and the ruler of them all of the assemblies and tribunals fleets and armies you shall trample down the senate under foot confound and crush the generals and commanders arrest imprison and confine in irons and feast and fornicate in the council-house 
are there any means of making a great man of a sausage-selling fellow such as i the very means you have must make ye so low breeding vulgar birth and impudence these these must make ye what you're meant to be i can't imagine that i'm good for much alas but why do ye say so what's the meaning of these misgivings i discern within ye a promise and an inward consciousness of greatness tell me truly are ye allied to the families of gentry <laughs> no not i i'm come from a common ordinary kindred of the lower order what a happiness what a footing will it give ye what a groundwork for confidence and favour at your outset but bless ye only consider my education i can but barely read in a kind of way that makes against ye the only thing against ye the being able to read in any way for now no lead nor influence is allowed to liberal arts or learned education but to the brutal base and underbred embrace then and hold fast the promises which the oracles of the gods announce to you we have here an illustration one among many that might be given of the political equality that prevailed in athens it shows us how completely that distinction between the military or governing and the productive class which belonged to the normal greek conception of the state had been broken down on the side at least of privilege and right though not on that of social estimation in this most democratic of the ancient states politically the athenian trader and the athenian artisan was the equal of the aristocrat of purest blood and so far the government of athens was a genuine democracy but so far only for in athens as in every greek state the greater part of the population was unfree and the government which was a democracy from the point of view of the freeman was an oligarchy from the point of view of the slave for the slaves by the nature of their position had no political rights and they were more than half of the population it is noticeable however that the freedom and individuality which was characteristic of the athenian citizen appears to have reacted favourably on the position of the slaves not only had they to a certain extent the protection of the law against the worst excesses of their masters but they were allowed a license of bearing and costume which would not have been tolerated in any other state 
a contemporary writer notes that in dress and general appearance athenian slaves were not to be distinguished from citizens that they were permitted perfect freedom of speech and that it was open to them to acquire a fortune and to live in ease and luxury in sparta he says the slave stands in fear of the freeman but in athens this is not the case and certainly the bearing of the slaves introduced into the athenian comedy does not indicate any undue subservience slavery at the best is an undemocratic institution but in athens it appears to have been made as democratic as its nature would permit we find then in the athenian state the conception of equality pushed to the farthest extreme at all compatible with greek ideas pushed we may fairly say at last to an undue excess for the great days of athens were those when she was still under the influence of her aristocracy and when the popular zeal evoked by her free institutions was directed by members of the leisured and cultivated class the most glorious age of athenian history closes with the death of pericles and pericles was a man of noble family freely chosen year after year by virtue of his personal qualities to exercise over this democratic nation a dictatorship of character and brain it is into his mouth that thucydides has put that great panegyric of athens which sets forth to all time the type of an ideal state and the record of what was at least partially achieved in the greatest of the greek cities our form of government does not enter into rivalry with the institutions of others we do not copy our neighbours but are an example to them it is true that we are called a democracy for the administration is in the hands of the many and not of the few but while the law secures equal justice to all alike in their private disputes the claim of excellence is also recognized and when a citizen is in any way distinguished he is preferred to the public service not as a matter of privilege but as the reward of merit neither is poverty a bar but a man may benefit his country whatever be the obscurity of his condition there is no exclusiveness in our public life and in our private intercourse we are not suspicious of one another nor angry with our neighbour if he does what he likes we do not put on sour looks at him which though harmless are not pleasant while we are thus unconstrained in our private intercourse a spirit of reverence pervades our public acts 
we are prevented from doing wrong by respect for authority and for the laws having an especial regard for those which are ordained for the protection of the injured as well as for those unwritten laws which bring upon the transgressor of them the reprobation of the general sentiment and we have not forgotten to provide for our weary spirits many relaxations from toil we have regular games and sacrifices throughout the year at home the style of our life is refined and the delight which we daily feel in all these things helps to banish melancholy because of the greatness of our city the fruits of the whole earth flow in upon us so that we enjoy the goods of other countries as freely as of our own then again our military training is in many respects superior to that of our adversaries our city is thrown open to the world and we never expel a foreigner or prevent him from seeing or learning anything of which the secret if revealed to an enemy might profit him we rely not upon management and trickery but upon our own hearts and hands and in the matter of education whereas they from early youth are always undergoing laborious exercises which are to make them brave we live at ease and yet are ready to face the perils which they face if then we prefer to meet danger with a light heart but without laborious training and with a courage which is gained by habit and not enforced by law are we not greatly the gainers since we do not anticipate the pain although when the hour comes we can be as brave as those who never allow themselves to rest and thus too our city is equally admirable in peace and in war for we are lovers of the beautiful yet simple in our tastes and we cultivate the mind without loss of manliness wealth we employ not for talk and ostentation but when there is a real use for it to avow poverty with us is no disgrace the true disgrace is doing nothing to avoid it an athenian citizen does not neglect the state because he takes care of his own household and even those of us who are engaged in business have a very fair idea of politics we alone regard a man who takes no interest in public affairs not as a harmless but as a useless character and if few of us are originators we are all sound judges of a policy the great impediment to action is in our opinion not discussion but the want of that knowledge which is gained by discussion preparatory to action 
for we have a peculiar power of thinking before we act and of acting too whereas other men are courageous from ignorance but hesitate upon reflection and they are surely to be esteemed the bravest spirits who have the clearest sense both of the pains and pleasures of life but do not on that account shrink from danger to sum up i say that athens is the school of hellas and that the individual athenian in his own person seems to have the power of adapting himself to the most varied forms of action with the utmost versatility and grace this is no passing and idle word but truth and fact and the assertion is verified by the position to which these qualities have raised the state for in the hour of trial athens alone among her contemporaries is superior to the report of her no enemy who comes against her is indignant at the reverses which he sustains at the hands of such a city no subject complains that his masters are unworthy of him and we shall assuredly not be without witnesses there are mighty monuments of our power which will make us the wonder of this and of succeeding ages we shall not need the praises of homer or of any other panegyrist whose poetry may please for the moment although his representation of the facts will not bear the light of day for we have compelled every land every sea to open a path for our valour and have everywhere planted eternal memorials of our friendship and of our enmity an impression so superb as this it is almost a pity to mar with the inevitable complement of disaster and decay but our account of the athenian polity would be misleading and incomplete if we did not indicate how the idea of equality on which it turned defeated itself as did in sparta the complementary idea of order by the excesses of its own development already before the close of the fifth century and with reiterated emphasis in the earlier decades of the fourth we hear from poets and orators praise of a glorious past that is dead and denunciations of a decadent present the ancient training in gymnastics we are told the ancient and generous culture of mind and soul is neglected and despised by a generation of traders reverence for age and authority even for law has disappeared and in the train of these have gone the virtues they engendered and nurtured cowardice has succeeded to courage disorder to discipline 
the place of the statesman is usurped by the demagogue and instead of a nation of heroes marshalled under the supremacy of the wise and good modern athens presents to view a disordered and competitive mob bent only on turning each to his own personal advantage the now corrupt machinery of administration and law and however much exaggeration there may be in these denunciations and regrets we know enough of the interior working of the institutions of athens to see that she had to pay in license and in fraud the bitter price of equality and freedom that to the influence of disinterested statesmen succeeded as the democracy accentuated itself the tyranny of unscrupulous demagogues is evidenced by the testimony not only of the enemies of popular government but by that of a democrat so convinced as demosthenes since these orators have appeared he says who ask what is your pleasure what shall i move how can i oblige you the public welfare is complimented away for a moment's popularity and these are the results the orators thrive you are disgraced anciently the people having the courage to be soldiers controlled the statesmen and disposed of all emoluments any of the rest were happy to receive from the people his share of honour office or advantage now contrariwise the statesmen dispose of emoluments through them everything is done you the people enervated stripped of treasure and allies are become as underlings and hangers-on happy if these persons dole you out show-money or send you paltry beeves and the unmanliest part of all you are grateful for receiving your own and this indictment is amply confirmed from other sources we know that the populace was demoralized by payments from the public purse that the fee for attendance in the assembly attracted thither as ready instruments in the hands of ambitious men the poorest and most degraded of the citizens that the fees of jurors were the chief means of subsistence for an indigent class who had thus a direct interest in the multiplication of suits and that the city was infested by a race of sycophants whose profession was to manufacture frivolous and vexatious indictments of one of these men demosthenes speaks as follows he cannot show any respectable or honest employment in which his life is engaged his mind is not occupied in promoting any political good he attends not to any trade or husbandry or other business 
he is connected with no one by ties of humanity or social union but he walks through the market-place like a viper or a scorpion with his sting uplifted hastening here and there and looking out for some one whom he may bring into a scrape or fasten some calumny or mischief upon and put in alarm in order to extort money from all this we may gather an idea of the way in which the athenian democracy by its own development destroyed itself beginning on its first emergence from an earlier aristocratic phase with an energy that inspired without shattering the forms of discipline and law it dissolved by degrees this coherent whole into an anarchy of individual wills drawn deeper and deeper in pursuit of mean and egoistic ends into political fraud and commercial chicanery till the tradition of the gentleman and the soldier was choked by the dust of adventurers and swindlers and the people whose fathers had fought and prevailed at marathon and salamis fell as they deserved by treachery from within as much as by force from without into the grasp of the macedonian conqueror End of chapter three section ten recording by martin geeson in hazelmere surrey